movies episode two we made it to a second episode i can't believe it i feel like we should throw a fucking parade i'm thankful for any of the nine people who may be listening to this because i gotta tell you guys something i'm having a blast doing it it's really fun to just talk about movies that nobody else is talking about and if you don't know if you didn't listen to the first episode that's the plan for the show is to just every week pick a couple movies sometimes first time watches whatever but movies that just they're not gonna get a big audience you know and that's okay it's it's one of those things it's it's freeing to be like i don't need to try to find something that's got a big audience i'm just gonna have fun and talk about movies that i want to watch not that i don't want to watch the big movies too and it's always fun to participate in those conversations but this show is going to be all about just little movies man uh it's probably going to keep a lot of people from watching it but or listening to it i should say but we are filming it today i'm filming it for the patreon uh, so on our We Watched a Movie Patreon, I'm going to put this up on there, and uh, there will be a video version of it. Nothing special, just looking at my ugly, tired face and uh, watching me read off of a computer screen. I'm not reading this, but I'm looking at, you know, you got the IDB, all that shit up. But yeah, so this is on our Patreon, by the way, uh, for a video version of it. And for for everybody else, I'm, I'm, uh, I have what you say, what do you call it, a face for podcasting. So maybe that's why I enjoy doing this so much, but it's really fun. So anyways, let's just get right the fuck into it. It's a Christmas show, but it's not a Christmas show because none of these movies are actually Christmas movies. But if you wanted to make a really stupid argument, you could call them Christmas movies. <laughs> so three movies today. None of them are new VOD films because that's something we're going to do on the show a lot, too, is like the recent just come, came out VOD action movies and shit like that. Not just action, but VOD horror, whatever. Uh, small movies nobody's talking about. That's That's the only prerequisite. It can't be a superhero movie. It can't be you know, a franchise. That's, that's the only prerequisite. So that's the only rules we have here. Um, But yeah, so these three movies all have a Christmas edge to them. They all have something of a Christmas edge to them, uh, but none of them are really Christmas movies. So the first one, oh shit. First one we're going to talk about is a movie called dark angel or I come in peace, which it's hard to say when you come, is it in peace or is it never in peace? I mean, I don't know if you call that peaceful. I mean, it's blissful to come, but is it peaceful? It's very- Houston, Texas. It's Christmas. Someone special is coming to town, and it's not Santa Claus. I'm coming, peace. Jack Kane. A cop who does things his own way. What are you doing? Shortcut. He's sensitive, understanding, and kind to strangers. Merry Christmas. But all that's about to end. But no, it's called Dark Angel or I Come in Peace. It's one of those movies with two titles for some stupid fucking reason. This stupid fucking reason is because in the U.S. when they released it, it there was already two movies here called Dark Angel, which was its, its original title. So they, they went with I Come in Peace, which makes sense uh, when we get into the movie. It will make sense to you. But there's I Come in Peace or Dark Angel. And then there is Cobra. 1986 is Cobra, Sylvester Stallone. This is a more popular side of a movie. I mean, a lot of people who are into old action movies and stuff definitely know Cobra. Stallone fans no cobra it's a little bit more popular than the typical movie we talk about but it fits the theme it's sort of a movie nobody really talks about anymore and there's christmas stuff in it and then finally we're going to talk about invasion usa which is a chuck norris 1985 movie that oh my god 
the the poster alone for this fucking movie why did to the channel thing oh my god uh no the poster alone for this movie is just insane i mean it's chuck norris in tight blue jeans old denim dan with his shirt open black gloves carrying a a strap with two uzis on it like who even makes a strap i don't even own a gun much less that would necessitate a gun rack who owns a strap that is literally meant to hold two uzis it is the most insane poster for a movie of all time I mean, Google it right now on your phone. Just Google Invasion USA and look at Chuck Norris, John Woo style, double wielding fucking Uzis. It is the movie that just encapsulates the stupid insanity we have for Chuck Norris and can't wait to talk about it. So we'll start with Dark Angel slash I Come and In Peace, which might be my favorite of these fucking three movies. Like I cannot believe first time watch. All three of these are first time watches. I thought I saw Cobra before, but turns out it was just lock up. I never saw Cobra. What a fucking trip that movie is. But Dark Angel, this was, oh man, this was fun. Dolph Lundgren, which by the way, Dolph Lundgren, just for starters, is fucking underrated as hell. I mean, this dude's career is, it's got a lot of dog shit in it. That's, that's true. Like, that's not the best explanation of why he's so underrated. But I'm telling you, man, he, he can act like he is not a bad actor. He's, I don't know if you could call him as, yeah, you can't call almost anybody as charismatic as, as Arnold. Um, or, and he's probably not as good of an actor as Stallone, but I don't know. No, I'd say he's up there. Yeah. Well, no, Stallone's like really underrated as an actor. So I can't really say that, but like he doesn't get enough credit as an action star and he's just as talented fitness wise and, and, and stunt wise and all that shit fighting wise as any of them are. When this guy throws a roundhouse kick, I mean, you guys have to watch it. To see Dolph Lundgren's big ass throw a fucking roundhouse kick is a thing of beauty. It's a thing of art. I mean, it's so clean. He might have the best roundhouse kick in the business. And I'm sorry, Sean Claude. I know that, that that's insane. You, you still have the splits. You know, you still have the splits. But it's a clean fucking roundhouse. And watching a dude who's like fucking almost seven feet tall, how big is this bastard? He's fucking huge. I didn't mean to call you a bastard, Dolph. I'm sorry. Uh, you guys know there's a story where uh, a bunch of robbers came to his house and like I think tied his wife up and we're gonna steal his shit and then they saw a picture of him and realized that they were robbing Dolph Lundgren's house and they let her go and just left the shit there. I'm not sure how true that is, but I'm pretty sure that's fucking true. So do with that what you will. But yeah, uh, it's just a clean roundhouse kicker and he's really good. Like Showdown Little Tokyo is another super underrated movie that he's awesome in. I'm pulling up his movies right now. And again, he's in a lot of dog shit. He's in Sharknado 5, Blackwater. He's uh, he's in a couple recent bigger things. Like he's got a small role in the Aquaman movies, which I mean, I thought the first one was kind of shitty, but still it's a big movie. Good for him. He's in the second movie. And then, you know, he's he is in bad stuff for sure. He was in the Imagine Dragons video for a believer, which is fucking weird. Kindergarten Cop 2, which, yeah, I mean, like I said, nobody's as charismatic as fucking Arnold. You can't blame the guy for that. But a bunch of trash, you know, war pigs, skin trade. There was a there's a horror movie with him in it called Don't Kill It, which is something I really interested to see for sure. But he's in Shark Lake. You know, there's a bunch of bad stuff in here. He's got the Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, or uh, I should say Steven Seagal type of movies that i did for money roles in there but and it's not really fair but his character in the expendables i felt like finally gave him some love i don't really know why dolph lundgren's not looked at like the other guys are he's he's just i mean he's got a little bit of he's got a little piece of all those dudes you know what i mean 
which if you had a little piece of all those dudes, then you're going to be sort. You know what? Let's just not talk about that. Um, yeah. So, but he wasn't some badass. Universal Soldier, legendary bad guy in Universal Soldier. Oh, fuck. He was awesome. He was, he was awesome as Gunnar Jensen in the Expendables movie. Plays a small little version of himself there because he is smart as fuck. I think he actually is like a nuclear physicist or some shit. Like some guys have it all. I bet he's awesome in bed too, fucking dick. Oh, yeah. And he's got a huge dong. I don't know if you know this. Showdown Little Tokyo. That man has a giant wang. So good for him. Your poor wife. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to find the good movies in his career to actually back up my argument. And there's not a whole lot. But Showdown Little Tokyo fucking ruled. Universal Soldier. Soldier. Universal Soldier kicked ass. Dark Angel rules. He was obviously the first Frank Castle on the screen as the Punisher and not not an all that bad movie. He did a good job in it. He was, of course, He-Man. His first, first four movies in his career were fucking weird, man. Starts his career in 1985 with A View to a Kill and a James Bond movie as Vins. I don't remember it, so I can't speak to it. His second movie of all time was the classic role of Ivan Drago in Rocky IV, another one of the greatest bad guys of all time. And... uh after that, he did a James Brown music video playing Ivan Drago. And then his fourth role of all time, fucking He-Man. I mean, that that wild production that was Masters of the Universe. So the guy just had a weird start. And from there, it immediately started to go downhill. There's a movie called Maximum Potential. Red Scorpion was on there. That's something I got to rewatch. You did get The Punisher. You got this movie. And this is right in the sweet spot between The Punisher and Showdown in Little Tokyo. And right before Universal Soldier. It actually didn't start to go downhill for him until 93. Um and then he was still had a part in Johnny Mnemonic in 95. And then, yeah, not, not, not good tidings there after that for the most part. Just career-wise. I'm not speaking to his performances in those movies. I'll have to check them out for myself, every fucking one of them. Because that's what's fun about the show is we can do that. I don't need a reason to watch shitty Dolph Lundgren movies, Dad. But, yeah, so this movie. All right, getting into the actual movie now. It's directed by Craig R. Baxley. And this dude, when you look up his IMDb, is a trip as well. Um, he started his career with Action Jackson. You guys have got to watch the trailer for Action Jackson with Carl Weathers in it. Holy fucking shit, man. That movie looks like it's right up my goddamn alley. He's like shoots a guy with like a bazooka. And he's like, how do you like your ribs? And like blows him up. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking watching that. Maybe Action Jackson will be on the next episode. Who knows? I don't want to get too into just doing action movies, which is what we're doing today, but it's more of an action sort of Christmas thing. So that was kind of the point. But yeah um i am fucking rambling i'm trying to find this guy's director credits damn it i had him pulled up already myself shit fuck fart he was a he was a stunt dude he did a bunch of stunts he did this he was the stunt coordinator for the predator uh and that was the last movie he did stunt coordinating on and then he starts directing here we go and he ended up doing a lot of tv in his career he did a couple episodes of the a-team as a director did action jackson this was his second full-time movie but he went on after this to direct stone cold not Steve Austin, but the the one with the blonde mullet dude, which is a classic action movie in 91. He goes on after that to do a bunch of Stephen King stuff, which is wild. He did A Storm of the Century, which is one of the better straight-to-TV Stephen King movies for sure. He did Rose Red, which I'm not a huge fan of. He did Sniper 2. Uh, he did one of those Left Behind movies, those weird Christian books, Left Behind 3, World at War. He directed a bunch of TV and things like that afterwards. That's kind of currently what he's doing in his career. And he did one thing I want to point out that I would also like to see. There's a movie on here called Bad Day on the Block starring Charlie Sheen. It's also known as Under Pressure. I don't know what it is with this dude in movies with two titles, but during a heat wave, a fireman hero, Charlie Sheen, has it in for the family next door and whoever else bothers him. So it sounds like sort of a thriller slasher starring Charlie Sheen as a fireman during a heat wave. We're fucking watching that maybe next week. 
that's two movies that might be on the list right now. But anyways, let's talk about this actual movie. I'll say that for the fifth time. I'm just very excited about it. I'm very excited about this movie as a whole. It really just nailed everything that I want in a movie. And I'm not saying that like it's not like a perfect movie. It's no 10, but it's my kind of movie, man. So the IMDb plot synopsis says a renegade cop is forced to work with an FBI agent in order to bring down a group of drug dealers with sinister plans. <laughs> that is not at all what this movie's about. This is a fucking alien movie, okay? This movie features Dolph Lundgren as, what is it? He has one of those total 90s detective names, Jack Kane, Detective Jack Kane. And he is out on the prowl with his buddy. They are undercover agents he's in the car listening on the wire which will remind you of half-baked abracadabra abracadabra um and will remind you that his his cop friend is inside undercover buying some cocaina and he's buying it from this is just gonna blow your fucking mind the group that they're investigating and trying to bring down the drug smugglers smugglers known as the white boys and it's not a bunch of malibu's most wanted types these are like Ed McMahon suit wearing typical eighties American psycho bad guy types. And what a fucking trip. There's so many lines in this movie where they're like, you know, better than to mess with the white boys, Jack. (laughs) It just fucking sends you into a laughter frenzy. It's so fucking good. There's so much weird ass shit in this movie. Now it's an action crime slash horror movie. It is listed as a horror movie. Holy shit. Uh, But it's also a comedy. It's also a comedy, so that works. But, yeah, so that happens, and all of a sudden, a bunch of assholes start to rob a liquor store next to where he's in the car listening. So he has to go save the liquor tenant's life. In the meantime, his buddy's killed by the white boys, and um, he loses his partner, so he's avenging his partner's death. It's your typical start to a cop film. And then we throw in the buddy comedy aspect, or the buddy cop aspect, when all of a sudden, Brian Binbin shows up. Now, this guy, I, I don't know anything he's really in. For the most part, Brian Binbin. And he's this little tiny, okay, not not that little or tiny, but he's just a smaller dude. He's this, I don't know how to explain him. You just have to see his fucking face. Just look up Brian Binbin in Dark Angel. He's just this tiny little snot-nosed dude. He comes up to like Dolph's kneecap. And he's this, I play everything straight. I'm a snivelly little shit. I'm a, I'm a brown noser and I know it and I'm open about it. And he's a fast talker and he's just a little shit. He plays special agent Arwood and he's, he's meant to be a complete and total pain in the ass for Dolph Lundgren's character. And he is, but here's the kicker. He's actually really fucking funny. Like as, as hateable as he is, when he shows up, he gets really funny. Cause he's like, let me ask you a question. Why do you, why do you, why do you not like me? Well, I mean, not that I care, not that I care about your opinion, but just, uh, I just want to know why you don't like me. It's cause I'm more successful than you, isn't it? It's cause I make more money than you do. Isn't it? Yeah. That, that's what I thought. And he like tells him how to dress and is it, they do the whole buddy cop thing. But, and at first it's kind of annoying. Cause you're like, I fucking hate this guy, but you end up liking him. And he end, ends up being one of the funniest parts of the movie. Just the dichotomy between those two where Dolph Lundgren's just a big lumbering, I don't give a shit, I get things done, fuck the man, fuck the system, fuck the the sergeant and everybody else. And he's like, we need to report this to space. You've seen the story a hundred times, but this guy really chews on the scenery and brings it to life. I, I really wish that he was in more stuff because he brought a whole extra layer to this movie. And he just, it's just again, it's just something about that nose and how tiny he is. He looks like Doug Gottlieb from ESPN. Just he's just got that snivelly little shit. Maybe Adam Schaefer. Yeah, he's definitely got like 
snivelly little shit ESPN co-anchor vibes. No doubt about it whatsoever. No offense, ESPN, but yeah, that's that dude. But this movie's written by Jonathan Tidor and David Coep. Do you guys know who David Coep is? David Coep wrote fucking everything. He probably wrote your goddamn life story. This motherfucker wrote Jurassic Park. Where did it go? I tried to click on it and it ran away from me. Mission Impossible, Stir of Echoes, Spider-Man, the same Raimi Spider-Man movies. He also wrote things like The Mummy, the Tom Cruise one, but in Premium Rush, that was a piece of shit. Let's watch a movie about a bike messenger. I want to watch you deliver things on your bike. It's horrible. Who gives a shit? He did Secret Window, Panic Room, Snake Eyes, Fucking the Shadow, Carlito's Way, Death Becomes Her. David Coep wrote everything, and he did a rewrite on this movie. So, But we haven't even gotten to what makes it special. Oh, no. We have not gotten at all to what makes this movie special. While this whole thing's going on, all of a sudden, this fucking creature from space crash lands into the Earth and comes up out of the ground. And you guys have got to see this. This is one thing that I wish that I had video for everybody to see since this is technically mainly, you know, a podcast. It's hard to explain without video, but Matthias Hughes, who plays the bad alien in this, comes up out of the ground, floating out of the fucking ground like David Blaine on steroids. And he's got these uh, eye contacts in that are pure white. And this long blonde hair. And he's a big wrestler looking motherfucker. Which I love in action movies. Oh god that gets me going. When you have an action movie and the bad guy is formidably. Formidably. is The bad guy is bigger. Than our hero. You got that so rarely in the 80s. Like Steven Seagal is such a pussy. That he was afraid to let his ego be hit. By, by fighting somebody bigger than him. It was so rare when he actually wasn't fighting a snivelly politician. Or something like that. Mark for Death was a good one. He had actually had a good one there. Um, you know, there, there's movies where he did under siege. You can follow a couple decent bad guys, but a lot of times they didn't do that. Now it gets my shit going when the bad guys way more physically intimidating. And that's a theme through two of these three movies. Cobra had the same thing going for it, but this dude, man, Matthias Hughes was awesome in this. And he looks like Raiden. Like he looks like Raiden. If he was fucking Hulk Hogan and they had a baby together, that's kind of this dude's whole thing, but he's got this shit on his hand. And he's got these little shooters on each hand, little shooters. And one hand shoots out. He says one line. I'm pretty sure the entire movie, one line. And get ready for it. It's the title drop. I come in this. <laughs> he says this in different ways. He, his acting is so weird throughout the whole movie. You got to watch a clip of it. You got to. I'm going to put one on TikTok today because I, I made this little clip making fun of it and laughing at it. But I also love it. As funny as it is, I also love it. But he just like honks above like. He hawks above people and like will turn his head to the side and be like, I come in piss. <laughs> he says it like that or or he either sounds mean or like almost happy. He's like, I come in piss or I come in piss. Like it's just, it's so, I can't explain to you how he says it. You got to watch it for yourself and it's amazing. So he does this four, five, nine times in this movie. He finds somebody here on earth. He knocks them over, right? He rips their shirt off and then he shoots this scorpion-like thing out of his arm into their chesticles and then this thing opens up on his arm and it's these little tubes filled with what looks like cum or milk if you're normal and you see it filling up so he's sucking something out of these people he's literally sucking the jizz out of these people it's not jizz though it's not jizz european jizz cinnamon roll uh it's not it's not a tumor 
filled with jizz. It's not. Uh, no, it's a. Um, it's endorphins. That's what we find out in the movie. It comes to explain that what this guy, these are aliens and he's come down here because he's a fucking drug dealer as, and who, who's the only person that could stop him, right? The drug cop who's pissed about his partner, who that guy inadvertently is sort of responsible for. Cause I guess, I don't know how he ties into the white boys or whatever, but anyways, it's aside from the point plot doesn't matter. There is no choice, but we find out that he is, harvesting human beings endorphins and going back to his home planet to sell them as drugs. And it makes way more fucking sense than it has any right to. And I think endorphins like serotonin, that kind of thing, uh, pure ecstasy. I mean, does that plot not make more fucking sense than it should? An alien coming down here to harvest our happiness as a drug for his alien brethren. Holy cunt sickles. That makes a lot of sense. And that is in return, sort of freaky. And especially if the aliens look like this dude. But anyway, so the FBI gets involved and these two are on the case. He shoots a CD. Now, it's not a CD. As you see, if you see the cover of it, it's supposed to be more of a saw-looking thing, like a little chainsaw circle. But let's be honest, for the time 1990, the movie starts with the dude listening to Christmas music on his CD. And uh, the camera like zooms into the CD after the wreck, after the dude gets in a wreck. It's meant to be like a 90s thing, I think. But they shoot out this CD with like this little kind of saw or chainsaw thing, I guess, going around the edges of it. And it just flies around the room and it kills people. It's very Hellraiser 3, very Scorpion, very Mortal Kombat and all that shit. But he's down here and they show him do this to people like 10 or 12 times, I feel like. Just just harvesting people's endorphins. But what a cool story. Like what a cool setup for, for an action movie. I mean, it's kind of cheesy, sure, but it's also kind of dope. And his acting is super cheesy and strange. Like he'll go to over top of somebody and he'll like smile at them. And he's like, it's on one hand, it's cheesy. And you be like, that's terrible acting. What the fuck is going on here? Because he's like, oh, you know, he like smile at him or whatever, or, or just make like a mean face. And it's just it's over the top acting. But it's A, fucking hilarious to see. B, Matthias Hughes just has this weird charisma to him. And C, it's kind of fucking freaky. If you think about this, this alien who doesn't really know how to react and you don't really know what he's feeling. And then on the other hand, there's also a good alien who's come down. Who's played by Jay fucking Bylas, The college sports analysis guy. I had no idea when I was watching this until I was looking it up for this podcast. That it's Jay Bylas in one of the few roles he's ever done. And man, he's, uh, they gave him hair around the backside and it just looks weird uh you can see why they cast him because he has this full frontal just complete baldage going on and the hair dripping down the back and he's wearing this over the top like cyborg outfit like the other alien is and he's chasing the bad alien down now Dolph Lundgren and 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 all his friends and everything get tied up into this and he's trying to solve the case of Missouri so he's tracking this guy down all the while having run-ins with the white boys and this this all makes for some really good action, some really good stunt scenes. You could tell the movie was done by a stunt director. So it's like the I wouldn't it's not that action packed. But in that way, it's kind of like, you know, the 1990 version of John Wick stunt actors probably make the best action movies and stunt directors. And that that's what we get. We have here with Craig Baxley. But, yeah, the action's good in it. The comedy's good in it. The buddy cop stuff's good in it. It's got all that 80s, early 90s action shit that you want in it mixed with this cool, actually decent plot with the serotonin shit or the, uh, the endorphin shit. And 
the the action scenes are so good they're so well done the stunts the special effects are all really way more well done than you would think they would be for this movie and like a movie like violent night that just came out and everybody's jizzing their shorts over violent night with david harbour and i thought it was fine i gave it a six but because i didn't like freak out over it uh, a lot of people are like man just enjoy a movie for what it is i'm like i don't think you understand like we should expect more from action movies these days. Like the action in violent night was pretty bad looking. It was dark. I think there was a lot of CGI blood going on, which is why they dimmed the the cinematography down so much and just, just poorly edited, not very exciting action sequences, minus a handful of, of one-on-one fight scenes with David Harbor movies like this. They did these practical stunts so well, and you can see it. I mean, Watching these movies is so refreshing to watch. There is no CGI or any of that shit. And we're dealing with a giant alien who shoots CDs out of his arm. So, yeah, every once in a while, something's going to look a little bingy. But, man, the fight scenes look so damn good, and the shooting scenes look good, and the, the action is just fun to watch. And Dolph Lundgren makes it all look so real. And uh, I just I really, really enjoyed this movie, as crazy and batshit as it is. But it has a lot of good laughs. It has a lot of those 90s action feels to it. It's got some stuff for horror fans in there. Uh, and this good alien comes down, for instance, and he's trying to he's trying to capture the bad alien, too. And at one point, Dolph Lundgren finally they finally teams up with a good alien just for a second. They don't actually have a team up. But the aliens explains to him, he's like, you must kill him because he's going to harvest you all. And when he brings the drugs back, more just like him are going to come and the whole end of the world's going to happen because they're going to literally suck. They're going to suck all of the uh, the world off. They're going to suck all the endorphins out of everybody in the world and kill you all. Um, man, if that were a true thing, like that, that I, I can't get over how smart that is. I think that's way smarter than uh, maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but I think it's super smart. This movie's on Tubi, by the way, if you guys want to watch it. Uh, it's also, there's also a version on YouTube, but it's not very good looking. The one on Tubi looks good. Like it's actually pretty clean. Uh, and I think there's like a Shout Factory release for this. So you can tell that they've done a good job transferring it. But I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I missed here. Let me see. Where's the thingy I wrote about it? I did a thing. I swear to God. Oh, some notes. Michael J. Pollard is in this. Uh, he plays a character named Boner. And like I said, there's 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 funny lines in this because he's like, you were over there harassing Boner and I'm going to tell the sergeant, you know, and like little jokes and stuff like that. The comedy is actually pretty, pretty good in this. But no, uh, Michael J. Pollard, if you don't know, he was the guy in Tango and Cash, the little dude who helped Tango and Cash, who gave them the uh, all the weapons and shit for that movie. He was also in Scrooge. Uh, Al Leong is in this. That dude's in fucking everything. I mean, he's die hard, lethal weapon, this unit. He's in every fucking cool action movie of all times. And uh, Matthias Hughes, by the way has the weirdest goddamn IMDb I've ever seen in my life. Let me read this to you guys. I know we're going a little bit IMDb heavy on this one, but it's just fascinating to go back and look at this shit. Matthias Hughes, who plays Bad Alien in this, who, who really just adds a total uniqueness to us with his weird faces and shit like that that he does. This guy's IMDb is fucking hilarious. Just I'm just going to read them off to you, okay? Are you ready for this? Some of the most expected shit you ever heard in your life. All right, No Retreat, No Surrender 2. He was in Big Top Pee-wee, a movie called Fist Fighter, a movie called Cage, Dark Angel, Aftershock, Kickboxer 2, The Road Back, um, Star Trek, The Undiscovered Countries. That's a, that's a neat one. Black Belt, Mission of Justice, Talons of the Eagle, Bounty Tracker, Age of Treason, Fist Fighter 2, Deathmatch, Fist of Iron, Digital Man, Finding Interest, Droid Gunner, <laughs> Cyber Vengeance, Tiger Heart. Lone Tiger, Alone in the Woods, Safety Zone, Star Crypt, Executive Target, 
Conan the Adventurer, Bloodsuckers, The Protector, Hostile Environment, Power Rangers Lost Galaxy, The King's Guard, Legion of the Dead, The Silent Force, The Librarians, uh, The Hitman Diaries, Money Flight, Black Rose, Showdown in Manila. <laughs> There's tons more. I'm just not going to name them all, but that I just had a blast reading that guy's thing. But yeah, Dark Angel, guys, uh, I definitely recommend it. If you're a huge fan of 80s and 90s action movie, um, movies, you got to watch it, man. You got you. You just, you have to see this fucking movie. It's a, uh, it's a trip. It's got great action. It's got a great story. Good, decent comedy. 7.5 out of 10. I'm going to buy it on VHS and throw it on the wall behind me. Cause it just reminds me of a better time. And the only Christmas shit in this movie is literally, I believe in the opening of the movie. This is our excuse as we'll call it to do the movie, but it's literally in the opening of the movie. There is a, uh, there's a, it's on Christmas. I think a guy calls his wife and says he'll be home for Christmas or something like that. They show some Christmas lights. He's listening to Christmas mu- music. And I'm pretty sure that's just about the only goddamn Christmas stuff in the whole movie. But it's good, a goddamn enough to get it into this movie and watch it. And I got it from somebody else's list, by the way. It was like, it was like looking up the best Christmas action movies. And several of these movies popped up and I watched them all. I was like, that doesn't have fuck all to do with Christmas. But I, I, I appreciate the, uh, you know, the way that they snuck it in. So I thought I would do something like that as well. So yeah, Dark Angel, I see dead people. No, I come in peace. Um, watch it, please, for the love of Christ. And tell me what you guys think in the comments below. Also, if you guys would review the podcast, that would super help. If it's on iTunes or wherever you listen, Spotify, whatever. And if you are watching this on Patreon, go to Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. We watched a movie. Follow it and all that good shit and review it. That that would be awesome. And uh, there is an episode one of this in which we covered three more movies for you guys to check out if you guys want to go listen to that. So next up, man, I went forever on that one, didn't I? How long have we been going already? Jesus Christ, I went 30 minutes damn near on one movie. I got I to gotta hurry this up. I'm not going to have a voice left by the end of this, but Cobra. Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Stallone is a cop called Cobra. The strong arm of the law. Sylvester Stallone's Cobra. I know it feels kind of weird because it is a more classic movie. Um, But still yet. The Christmas from Cobra comes from, there's a little bit more Christmas stuff in this one. And it literally, it's just in the background during the movie. There's like season's greetings and, and like some Christmas trees and stuff just going on in the background. So wherever they filmed, it just so happened to be Christmas. Yeah. So Cobra is 1986. It's in the heyday of Stallone's career. It was when he was already fucking huge. And it's directed by George P. Cosmatosis. Cosmatos, George P. Cosmatos, who directed some fucking bangers. He directed Rambo First Blood Part 2. He directed Cobra, the movie we're talking about right now. He directed Leviathan. But the big one, the big swinging dick on George P. Cosmatos' career, Tombstone. 
We're talking about the director of Tombstone, and this movie is does not feel like it was directed by the guy from Tombstone. You know, it feels like it was directed by. It feels like it was directed by on cocaine in the eighties, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> now, I think recently he said he came out and said that he never did drugs and stuff while while he was working. I think he said he tried. He did speed once when he was filming Rambo three and he hated it. So wasn't actually on drugs in this, but the rumor is, is that Stallone directed this whole movie kind of a Spielberg and Toby Hooper situation from poltergeist. Uh, A lot lot of people on set said that Stallone set up all the shots, told everybody where to go, what to do. And uh, Cosmatos just listened to him. Someone said he was a great producer, but a bad director. You can't call the man who directed motherfucking tombstone, a bad director. I'm just going to say that right now. But yeah, so this is basically directed by Stallone. It was written by Stallone. The screenplay was based on a novel called Fair Game by Paula Gosling. But the IMDb synopsis says a tough on crime street cop must protect the only surviving witness to a strange murderous cult with far reaching plans. Now, that is an IMDb synopsis that actually works. And here's why. This movie has no fucking plot. (laughs) None. I love it. I love the movie. No fucking plot. Kind of perfect for an 80s action movie, you know? The, the cover says, crime is a disease. Meet the cure. I'm pretty sure, yeah, he does actually say that in the movie. But the movie starts out with, and, and very speed-like, you get this guy who comes into a grocery store, and he's scary as fuck, by the way. Guy was in, Marco Rodriguez is the character. Marco Rodriguez, you will know his face if you saw his face. He's been in a ton of shit. He was mainly in The Crow as Torres um that's probably where you'll remember him the most from but yeah he's just got one of those faces you're like who the fuck is that guy i know who that is and he's only in the opening of the movie but it's a great goddamn scene he comes in here and in a scene that you probably wouldn't ever see today you know um because everything that's going on with the shootings and stuff like that but he walks into a supermarket and he just starts shooting shit and he shoots the, the whole place up and they call in swat and everybody's sitting outside and then here comes big dick swinging salone Walking up dressed as if you Google the movie Cobra, dressed like that. He actually dressed like that in the movie with his gun in the front and like the gigantic aviator glasses and a matchstick in his mouth. Just carrying around a matchstick in his mouth, which is, by the way, what was the inspiration for Nicholas Winding Refn to do for the movie Drive, where Ryan Gosling walks around with the toothpick in his mouth. But he comes in, he sneaks in, and it's the dumbest scene ever because... (laughs) Like the way he just walks in, it's it kind of felt. I don't I don't even know which movie came first. No, the, Lethal Weapon came first. Kind of felt a little bit ripoffish of Riggs' first appearance in Lethal Weapon when he walks out into the schoolyard. But he just like walks in and starts fucking with the guy, big scary guy with a shotgun, lots of hostages around, and it's like Sylvester Stallone's character. It's like Cobra has. It's like Jason takes Manhattan. It's like he can teleport all of a sudden. He's behind the guy and he comes in and he beats the guy up and he drops a couple one liners and you just know right offhand what you're fucking in for with this movie. Just one of those God mode action heroes that can't be stopped. That is just going to walk through everything like fucking butter. Cut everything like butter. I think is what I meant to say. Anyways, you know what you're in for and it's fun and he drops some awesome one liners. But the next thing, you know, they explain to us, they're like, well, first off, when this is going on, the guy's like, we're going to have to call the Cobra. <laughs> and then Stallone shows up. Then Stallone goes home and he walks to his apartment. There's a really hetero, or a, um, homoerotic moment where 
this guy fucks with him and he like grabs him by the mouth and then walks away. I don't know. It, just, it rips the guy's shirt off, walks away. He lives in this tiny little strange apartment and he's, he, he picks up a piece of pizza and he cuts it with a pair with a pair of scissors and eats half of the piece while watching like the news or some shit or working on his next case or whatever. And he's like a man obsessed, you know, his whole life is being Cobra and he works. What's called like the zombie squad, which is this group of, of cops that only work at night. And they, they take care of like the extreme killers in their own way. So, and this is actually an idea that Stallone got from a group in like, I don't know if it's Portugal or where it was that actually they had, they had this group that would deal with criminals in their own way called the zombie squad. So that's what he would do. And there's all these people that are like, that don't agree with what he does. And they were like, did you read that man his rights? And he like punches out a reporter or whatever. And he was like, why don't you tell that to the dead hostage over there? You know, typical, everything you'd expect from this. And it's really fun. And it's really fun written. And and the one-liners are awesome. The bad guys are what make this movie kind of though. So there's this, this, this cult. I want to say that called the new world. I think they're called the new world. I think I could be, I could, they're starting to run together now, but I think they're called the new world. And the reason that the bad guys are so fucking good is because they're led by um, Brian Thompson's character called Night Slasher. This is one big, scary motherfucker. And his voice is gnarly as shit. He played one of the punks in the Terminator, the original Terminator movie. He was in, he was Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. God, nobody wants to be in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Um, God, ever, please, no. But you know his face if you saw him. Another guy with a big mullet, you know? Amazing job as the bad guy in this. I thought he fucking killed it. He was in Fright Night Part 2 as Bosworth. But just, man, the dude just crushed it. One of my favorite action movie bad guys, just immediately. There's the whole movie, the way he speaks, his voice is so fucking deep and scary. Every time he speaks, he's like, I want to see him. (laughs) I can't even fucking do it. Like, I don't have that level in my body to do it. And I also don't know why I was going to say I want a sandwich, but yeah, he makes it. So this girl comes across, this woman comes across him and his, his band of cult killers. And they never really explain what their point is. They just want anarchy. They want to kill everybody and they want to murder everybody. And they want like survival of the fittest type of thing. They want to get rid of the weak people, blah, blah, blah. doesn't really matter in this movie. We just know they're big, scary, bad guys who, who murder people on the streets. They've murdered a fuckload of people. So he murders all these people. This this woman comes across and witnesses it, and it's Bridget Nielsen. Her character in the movie is Ingrid, but you'll know her from Rocky fucking four. Not only was it enough that Stallone beat up Drago, he had to fuck his wife too. She's, she's Drago's wife from Rocky four, and she's also in Red Sonja. She was also in Beverly Hills Cop 2, which I didn't know this. Did you guys know Sylvester Stallone was originally supposed to be the character in of Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop? But he kept adding expensive shoots and stuff like that to it in these big, lavish uh, shooting scenes, and they couldn't afford it. So he left, and that's actually where Cobra came from. And we'll get to the huge action, action scene that he puts into this in a bit. But yeah, he goes to protect her because she sees it, and she goes into witness protection. And you get the weirdest fucking scenes, man. Just the weirdest scenes of Stallone on, on the lamb with her and his partner, who's just <laughs> the weirdest dude. Her partner is super weird. Like his, there's he has a whole obsession with like snacking and drinking cokes. And there's one scene where he takes 19 sips of a coke, and it's just like, <sighs> like the constant time. And I hope they got that in one take because if not, that guy 
his insides had to be literally dead. And this is old Coke, you know? This is classic Coke. Probably still had cocaine in it. Maybe that's why he was drinking it that way. But anyway, his weird but likable partner and her go on the lamb. And there's the, there's the obvious sex scene, you know, of course they bang because it's, it's, it's the Cobra. And <laughs> there's all the typical action movie shit you get in it. But the bad guys are what makes this movie special. And the overtopness of Cobra, the way the Stallone looks, the way he talks. His real name's Marietta, Marietta Mary, Marion. Yeah, his real name's Marion Cabretti, which is just hilarious because he's this tough, short on words, stoic bad guy. But there's all these corny lines like, why do you do it? Have you ever thought about just being with a woman? And he's like, there's no time for it on this job. And he makes all these dad jokes. It's probably the best part of the movie is all the dad jokes that Stallone makes throughout the movie. Uh, they're just fucking awful and hilarious. And he never stops doing it. Never stops. Like they go into this diner and he picks up a statue of like six. It's like this huge like hamburger statue or whatever. And he's like, hey, your order's ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's probably the best Stallone I've ever done in my fucking life. So don't judge me. Hey, your order's ready. Yeah, I fucked up. See? But the, the dad jokes are just awful. The writing of this movie is terrible. There's this random part. God, it's so fucking 80s, man. There's this random part where when they introduce Bridget Nielsen's character to us, they just go into a full-on goddamn 80s montage for no fucking reason whatsoever. And, I mean, it's just like it's Stallone walking down the street. And it's her doing, like, a music video because she's this famous person or whatever. And just a full-on 80s montage with the whole song and everything. Before we've learned who the characters are, before we've... Like, a montage in Rocky Four when Adrian's like, you can't win. And he's like, oh, doom, tsh, doom, tsh. you know, that makes sense. And then they can, they're thinking about the guy they're going to fight and all that. This was just an homage to introduce us to the characters, which I fucking loved it. It was great. It was awesome. Um, but it's the movie's very violent, but they, they were... Apparently, it was an X-rated movie. And the movie's is only like an hour and 27 minutes, but apparently the movie was just hardcore edited. There's like another 45 minutes of footage that you can find that some fans have that are, that's out there on the, you know, the movie market circuit or the black movie market circuit or whatever. That's just, there's, they showed the full sex scene. They didn't show the sex scene in the movie. They showed people's arms getting cut off. They showed a lot more gore. Uh, the movie apparently was on its way to an X rating and they cut all this shit out of it. Cause they didn't think it was going to do that well. So they wanted to cut it down to get into m- more screenings. I think it was another Canon films project, which totally makes sense. And, uh, but yeah, it's the most simplest non-plot movie of all time. And that scene happens a couple more little action scenes happen here and there that are pretty good. But then the big scene is the movie. They're at this hotel. One of the cops flips on them and goes to a payphone and calls in the bad guys and lets, lets them know where they are. And these motherfuckers have like a hundred fucking people. I think the death toll in this movie was like 42 and like 31 of them were killed by Stallone. <laughs> and, uh, but they call in all their people and they surround all these bikers, this huge biker gang and everybody surround the hotel. And there's like motel. There's like, I don't know. It seems like there's like 200 of them. I mean, they're everywhere and there's just tons of them. And you get this badass fucking action scene, which the action scenes, once again, were just awesome. They were done so damn well. Sloan's a really good director. <laughs> I know technically he didn't direct this, but, you know, um, but the action scenes, man, they just don't make them like that anymore. The gun sounds, all of it is just it was just gnarly. You get the scene where he escapes and he does leave his partner behind. He gets shot. He's like, oh, I guess you're fucked now. And he runs and he jumps in the back of the truck. She's driving the truck. Right. And it's this big old truck and he's in the back 
just double wielding guns, shooting guys off their bikes. Why a hundred people are trying to kill Sylvester Stallone, the Cobra and his tight ass jeans and his, his wavy hair. And he's just taking, he's struggling to do it. He's dumping, he's jumping behind shit. He's throwing grenades, but this awesome action scene takes place where, you know, John wick before John wick, man, you know, it wasn't, they didn't have the abilities to make it that clean and that good looking, but it was just an awesome fucking action scene where Stallone takes down like 50 people. If the, if the action scene at the end of commando were still where uh, Schwarzenegger takes down all those guys. I love the scene by the way, but it's just kind of dumb. The, the guys just run at him with their arms open, like a fucking Creed song. And he just mows him down with a, you know, they actually tried to make this make a little bit more sense. Like I said, they had him diving around. They had him getting hurt a little bit. Uh, it still doesn't make any sense that one person could ever take that many people on, but it was a cool scene. So we end up back at this, I believe, warehouse or whatever. And the final scene is really awesome, too. He has more guys to take out there. And it's very much like the ending to uh, or one of the scenes in Rambo 5, Last Blood, because he starts setting booby traps like fucking Home Alone. And a couple cool scenes, man, like he sets up a grenade and sets it on the wall. And when the bad guy runs across the corner, he just shoots it and takes out like a couple of them at a time. Some really cool scenes with all that. And then the final fight scene is awesome between him and Brian Thompson. Night Stalker. But between him and Brian Thompson, just I love, 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 love a great fucking final fight in a movie. I mean, there's nothing like it when our two heroes face off. And once again, once again, we have a formidable physical bad guy and Brian Thompson fucking huge scary as shit they gave him awesome lines to say you know he's he's telling he keeps he's creepy as shit he keeps saying pig like he keeps calling him pig he's like you can't do it can you pig i'm ready to die pig and just like this fucked up stuff it reminded me of bennett from commando you know um come on john uh it reminded me of that let off some steam bennett that whole thing but it's scary he was really freaky, the stuff that he was saying to him. like He was acting like he wanted to fucking eat him. I'm pretty sure he told him he was going to eat him at one point. And he's like, you know, uh, they have this awesome dialogue between each other. But Stallone, at the end, when he kills him, in the most awesome way, it's very Terminator in the way the guy dies, he says, um, oh, fuck me. No, that was the last movie that he had the great line. I forgot to mention that great line. Um, this was a great line, too. But there's just so many good one-liners, man. In the last movie, I did totally forget to mention... I even wrote it down in my little book of keepers. Uh, the bad guy, right before Dolph Lundgren takes him down, the bad guy goes, I come in peace. And he goes, and you'll go in pieces, asshole, <laughs> before he kills him. It's just fucking gnarly. It's amazing. But yeah, it has everything you want in an action movie, man. Really cool character. Really great action scenes. Some dope-ass one-liners. A great final fight scene. Cobra is also going to be a 7-5 for me. We got two seven five two old school 90s and 80s action movie bangers i think a lot of you guys know cobra but it's totally stupid totally out there some really cheesy strange edits for how much they cut the movie down but it all just adds to the charm of the movie you know it all serves the movie and you got to understand going into a movie like this this movie's all about stallone and his ego and his character's ego and Again, it just works in a beautiful way. It shouldn't. It should be annoying. And if you're the kind of person who does not like these kind of movies, you'll hate it. This unstoppable badass who can just, for some reason, he can walk right through gunfire that any other character would die. You know, all that stuff. But it's because they're just so badass that they can do it. 
but his character as so many stallone's characters do has comedy to him he has he has another side to him it doesn't show much in this character but it is there and does make him likable and the stories behind the scenes from this movie are fucking hilarious if you ever get a chance to look it up um some pretty funny stuff so far i'm gonna go find this like on blu-ray or shout factory or wherever i can get it and like watch the special features because i bet there's some wilds it was a wild time man sloan was on top and his ego was huge but he always just seemed to still be somewhat you know still a nice guy even though he had that ego i think that's what made some of them the best like schwarzenegger and the downfall of people like seagal whose ego was just it didn't have any fun in it he had an ego but he was also a fucking asshole to everybody and treated people like shit so Anyways, yeah, Cobra Man, 7.5 as well. And we got one left. Cobra, I feel weird because I feel like there's so much more to talk about with Cobra, but it's such a classic. But one movie left, and some people would consider this a classic too. But again, maybe a little bit more popular of a movie than we're going for. Nah, fuck it. It's Chuck Norris's Invasion USA. They are an army of international terrorists. America has not been invaded by a foreign enemy in nearly 200 years. Their target, America. Their objective, control. 18 hours from now, America will be a different place. Now, only one thing stands in their way. It's time to die. Chuck Norris. Invasion USA. It's small enough for us to talk about here, right? It's got to be. 1985, the year I was born, Chuck Norris saved America. (laughs) This movie, I'm telling you, is where the Chuck Norris jokes come from. It's got to fucking be. The IMD synopsis for Invasion USA is a one-man army comes to the rescue of the United States. (laughs) Literally, I just said that as a joke. Comes to the rescue of the United States when a spy attempts an invasion. Directed by the great Joseph Zito. And you know Joseph Zito is? Just a little guy who directed Friday the 13th, the final chapter. <laughs> Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Maybe the best Friday the 13th movie of all. He also directed The Prowler. He directed Chuck Norris and Missing in, Missing in Action. And um, he's a producer of a bunch of stuff as well. This is a well-directed movie. You know one thing I was shocked about? I thought this was going to be super campy, corny, action, fun, and it has all of those things in it. It really does. But I cannot believe how impressed I was with the direction of this movie, with the action scenes of this movie, with the bad guys in this movie. Everything but Chuck Norris in this movie is pretty goddamn impressive. Um, So, and that's, it's a very simple plot. There's terrorists led by two bad guys there's these terrorists, mainly one bad guy, and they bring in a bunch of people from other countries. They bring them in. They come in on the on the ocean in these boats. And the way that these guys are talking, he sounds like Scarface when he's talking. He's like, look at these people. He's like, they have no idea. They walk around with their happy lives. It's going to be so easy to take this soft America away from them. Um it's actually not there's some of the lines in here and stuff are not that bad. And the idea is pretty freaky. You know, it's, 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 um, <laughs> it's, it's not red sky or red dawn or anything like that. But this guy, Mikhail Rostov, uh, played by Richard Lynch, who is the principal in Rob Zombie's Halloween, by the way, he's the guy that plays the the principal in that movie. But, they want to crush Americans. They want to crush our struggling leadership. 
and <laughs> Mikhail is a badass fucking bad guy. First off, he is an awesome bad guy. Not not a formidable physical opponent like the others, but we're talking about Chuck Norris. To me, Chuck Nor- Norris looks silly as shit in action movies. Like I know the guy knows karate, but he's just this tiny little fuzzy dude with a denim shirt on, and he's an amazing karateer, no doubt. But him in these movies is just it looks so silly to me. It always has. I've never been able to take Chuck Norris serious in any of these movies. So this guy was sc- Richard Lynch plays a scary motherfucking bad guy in this movie. And he's part of what makes the movie work so well. He's just freaky as shit. And he has an affinity for shooting cocks. The very opening of this movie, he looks all scared. He's doing a drug deal and he walks in and he faces this guy whose face I've seen a thousand fucking times. Billy Drago. Look up Billy Drago, see his face and tell me that's not a fucking bad guy in every movie you've ever seen. He was, he was in the untouchables. He was in the Hills have eyes Delta force two. He's been in a bunch of shit. You'll know his face when you see it. He's scary. And you think it would make sense if Billy Drago was about to be the bad guy in the movie. And that's what you're thinking. He's sitting at the table and he's smiling and, and our bad guy looks scared as shit. But then all of a sudden our bad guy fucks him up, takes his gun from him, puts his gun down his pants and shoots his cock like three times. And that's his thing. He does it several times in the movie. He just loves shooting dicks. He gets your gun. He puts your gun in your belt buckle in the front and just pops off a couple rounds right into your fucking pee pee. Holy shit. It's gnarly. I don't want to die that way ever, but immediately sets the tone for a great bad guy. And the funny thing is, is that he has this history with Chuck Norris where there's this dream he's having and he's about to snipe somebody. And all of a sudden he hears behind him. It's time to die. And he turns around and it's Chuck Norris and Chuck Norris is all sexual and like David Caruso and Jade to him. And he thinks he's about to kill him. And Chuck Norris just kicks him and knocks him out. And then the guy wakes up. He's having Chuck Norris fucking nightmares. They just showed this guy to be a super badass. By the way, the movie opens with him meeting a bunch of, um, of um, refugees in this giant boat. And they just mass slaughter like 40 people. They make him think they're going to save him. And he's like, welcome to America. And he's dressed in like Navy shit. And right when they're going to help these people off the boat, the bad guy just and his crew mow them all down. It's fucking gnarly. And it's a scene that they definitely wouldn't show today. There's like two or three mass murder scenes like in this in, in this movie that you definitely would not see today. There's, you know, uh, I, trigger warning for anybody that that stuff really upsets. There's there's a couple. There's a scene in the mall. Uh, there's a... Um, there's a scene in a neighborhood where they're having like a neighborhood block party and a bunch of people get mowed down. Um, there's a lot of that in this, just to warn you. But they show us what a scary fucking dude this guy is. And then they show him having a nightmare about Chuck Norris. And he's like sweating. He's like, oh, God. And then when he finds out that that guy's around, that Chuck Norris is around. And by the way, here's what Chuck Norris is doing. He's living off in like Louisiana or Florida or somewhere in the middle of a fucking marsh. He has a baby armadillo. Chuck Norris has a pet armadillo that like eats out of a dog bowl. It's the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I swear to Christ. Watch it. Watch a clip of it on YouTube. He's just like smiling at his little pet armadillo. It's like this big, you know, it's like the cutest thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. And he's frog gigging and living off, living off eating frogs. Like his friend comes to picking up and he's like, we're eating good. Nice. God, I'm so sick of frogs. And he's helping his friend run a, a airboat rental service out in the middle of nowhere. That's his retirement. Fucking worst retirement in history. That place has no goddamn air conditioning. 
it looks goddamn misery. He's out there like wrestling gators and like it's fucking weird, man. But it's an excuse for Chuck Norris to have his shirt open because Chuck Norris always has his shirt open. If Chuck, Chuck Norris has to cover his hairy chest and abs, non abs, <laughs> he will be upset and he will not do your fucking movie. He will roundhouse, roundhouse kick you to the face. But so that's what Chuck Norris is doing. And then Chuck Norris finds out that guy's back in town when that guy decides that he can't go through with this huge terrorist operation he has until the one guy he's really scared of is dead. So there's a whole bunch of hubbub about that. They show up to his house. The bad guys show up and surround Chuck Norris's house on fucking airboats. And he blows up his, his shitty little house with a missile launcher. Chuck Norris in an awesome action scene dives out the window and saves his life at the last second. But then he finds out they killed his friend. So he agrees to stop this. <sighs> Fucking Chuck Norris, man. What follows after that is very, very much so reminds me of Dawn of the Dead. The original Dawn of the Dead. And the movie, I'm sure, I, I don't guess, gets credit for this. But the way that the Dawn of the Dead opening happened and the way that was all widespread and, it, and all that panic and all that stuff going on and the way George Romero directed that so awesomely, this has that exact vibe to it. These terrorists come and they take over this whole town and the National Guard comes in and there's just pandemonium everywhere. And the, there's so many shots of people just running around shooting and blowing shit up. And the special effects are all done so practical and they all look so fucking good. This movie is way better than it has any right ever fucking being. I thought it was just going to be a dumb goof. And it is because of Chuck Norris and all that shit. But like, you got to hand it to these people. This action scenes, the way that they set this whole attack up. Holy shit. They did an amazing job. I mean, it was a fucking feat. You just don't see shit like that anymore. I just, I can't get over it, man. Thousands of people coming from the water. They have all these trucks waiting for them. And then they just show up and they just take over this huge city and are just running it. It's a, it's a wild, it's very like, you know what Bane did in the Dark Knight Rises? It's like that. I mean, it's on that level. Uh, and it's it's freaky. It's weird to see it happen. But right as they're starting... They do a very, very weird suburban-like invasion where the main bad guy and a couple other people start driving around like this suburban neighborhood. And this is where our Christmas touch comes in. This cute little girl's outside with her parents, and they're putting the final touches on their outdoor Christmas tree. And he's sitting there, and they're sitting there watching, holding a, uh, a missile launcher. And he's like, they make it so easy, don't they, Dimitri? And then <laughs> the little girl goes inside, and they blow up the house. It's mean. It's mean as fuck. The little girl goes inside and they shoot the missile launcher into the house, blowing the house up. Uh, the special effects are awesome. I mean, not only like all they, he turns around and blows up like 12 houses on this block, just like one after another. Boom. Fuck you. Boom. Fuck you. Boom. Fuck you. Blows up the entire suburban block and doesn't reload one fucking time. We're talking a missile launcher here. Old school. You got to like pipe it in. You got to do all that. I've never done one. I don't know what I'm talking about. But they didn't bother with those little facts like that in this movie. It was just like, boom. It was like a fucking machine gun. But I'm telling you, man, the explosions, all that shit, the practical effects is so fucking cool to see and look at. If you watch this, find you a good copy, like a Blu-ray or whatever, uh, to watch it on. Because it's just goddamn impressive. It's super impressive, man. Um that's the best part of the movie. That's the best thing I could say about the movie is it has an awesome bad guy. It has a weirdly spooky plot when you think about real life. And 
the special effects and the action is just god damn it's top notch it's amazing so we move on from that scene and then there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens in between but the ending scene is what really takes the cake once again chuck norris who by the way is a goddamn samurai with uzis there's so much dumb shit like, honestly, all the dumb shit in the movie just tracks back to Chuck Norris and his character being unstoppable. It's like, I don't believe you. Like, again, I know Chuck Norris is badass, but he's not taking out an entire goddamn army by himself. And he's 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 not a sniper with, with Uzis. They're little machine guns. And the way he walks around with these things, there's one scene where he pulls up and he has to kill, like, eight army dudes. And it's just, there's no fucking way in hell. Like, he doesn't have a gun in his hand one scene, and the camera comes pans back to him, and he's got, like, two guns, and he's, like, just shooting people all over the place. Just too unbelievable to be true, and it's just weird. But that, that all stuff is really dumb. I mean, I'm telling you guys, he is, like, John Wick, but with an Uzi. He's, like, bending bullets and shit to make him go into bad guys, and they do a good job of making it look real. Like, they really do. Like, when he shoots a couple shots with an Uzi, like, the sound of the gun sounds good, and where the bullets land, like, he'll, like... He'll like shoot like seven bullets on each side of this dude and like go up his, his chest and like the, the, the bullets will match like the perfect thing. It looks real. They did a great job with the stunts and shit in this. But anyway, it ends off. He keeps like stalking this guy and be like, it's time to die. It's time to die. And the guy gets more and more pissed off every time he hears him say this. Chuck Norris is just haunting his fucking dreams. And then they end up in the most badass way ever having a fight with the missile launchers. They're in an office building using missile launchers one-on-one to fight each other the guy's holding it he's ready for him chuck norris comes around the corner he's like it's time and kind of like the ending to broken arrow you know when uh john travolta takes the missile right in the stomach uh it blows him fucking out the goddamn window i mean we all knew the movie was going to end this way so that's not spoilers if you haven't seen 80s movie invasion usa but a badass ending you know for a badass bad guy. And yeah, Chuck Norris is my only problem, man. I just cannot buy him to him being a badass. I can't. Not even like, I mean, as a joke, you can. But when you watch the movie, and the plot is sort of dumb, but it's sort of not dumb. Like, we've seen some wild shit happen. This wouldn't surprise me. Really wouldn't surprise me that much if this actually happened, with the, given the things we've seen the past few years go on in our society. But... Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird to watch now with not only like the, the mass shootings and stuff that go on in the movie, but also what's going on in the recur- Ukraine. Like we've watched someone like invade. And granted, that was an army, but it looks as surreal as that. And they have army weapons in this. There's like tanks in the streets and there's like there's helicopters. And again, it's very Dawn of the Deadish. They just did a great job with the scenery and the landscape and how they shot all this. They, they did an amazing job with it. They really did. I'll give Invasion USA a Kawasaki. Seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. I don't know. Is this movie liked? Do people like Invasion USA? It is a. It's a five point four on IMDb. It's like that classic canon film, you know. It's the one I think a lot of people think of when they see canon films. Let's see what? Let's see what uh, Rotten Tomato says about our movies here. That's there's an O in Invasion. You stupid butthole. Do do do. It looks like Invasion USA. Oh, yeah. Not like this sort of thing. Uh, 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. 51% Rotten Audience Score. Um, 
TV Guide staff said, and this was in 2019, this review is from, a numbingly stupid actioner. Invasion USA I was one of the most laughable villains ever committed to film. Hey, fuck you, buddy. The villain was the best part. Um, director Joseph Zito has, in fact, made both good and bad guys equally one-dimensional and unlikable. Fair enough, but I like the bad guys in this. And uh, someone says, even for its Reaganite times, this is complete trash. Uh, here's a positive one from Ed Travis says there may be no greater example of the simpler, more triumphant and naive cinematic times of the 1980s truly were than invasion USA in which one single man could literally save the entire country. I like that guy. We're friends, Ed Travis. On the flip side, it looks like Cobra was an 18% tomato meter, 43% audience score. Uh, not well like that one either. So Rotten Tomatoes, no big surprise there. Disagree with me. Now you would think like back back in the eighties and stuff, these movies would come out and they would get terrible critical scores because critics all were sick of this whole action movie thing that was going on. But you'd be surprised. Most of these reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, 20, 2018, 2008, 2003, 2021. Um, wow. Yeah, you'd think that people have, would be more nostalgic for this stuff and appreciate it for what it was, but clearly not. And then finally... Come on, I come in peace has to do decent, right? Give me one. One time. Uh, a little better, but nope. Also rotten. 36% rotten on the tomato meter, 46% rotten audience score. Uh, listen, I disagree with all these people. Um, oh my God, there's a Chuck Norris movie called Hero in the Terror. That, is, that has got to be watched. But yeah, so let me know what you guys think about these three movies. Are you going to check them out? Have you seen any of them? Um, I fucking loved them all. I had a blast watching them and I had a good time talking to you guys about it. I had a blast doing the show today. My voice is almost gone already and I'm going to have to work on that. But other than that, let me know uh, what, what do you guys think about the new show, the new idea. Uh, please like us on or do whatever it is that people do on podcasts, review it and stuff like that. Share this. That really helps. It's a new thing. And we're talking about unpopular movies. So we'll take any help that we can get. And uh, after a little while, we'll start to have guests on the show and things like that. It's going to be a really good time. I'm really looking forward to this and, I appreciate whatever early support I can get from you guys. So uh, also, what movies would you like to see talked about on here? And again, these three are all um, tied into Christmas and action. So that was kind of the theme for this one. But uh, we're going to do more VOD things and stuff like that going forward. But yeah, thank you guys for, for listening to this. I hope you guys have an awesome day. And we will see you next time on I See Dead Movies. <laughs>